1: Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com Day at Whole Foods Market.
0: Hello, and welcome to my time capsule. I'm Mike Fenton Steve. And my time capsule is the podcast where I ask my guests to tell me the five things from their life that they would like to have preserved in a time capsule. They pick four things that they love and want to see again or keep safe. But they also pick one thing that they'd like to forget, something they want to bury in the ground and never think of again. My guest in this episode is the stand-up comedian and Twitter sensation Suze Kempner, who over the last year has gone viral on Twitter with her hilarious political videos playing Liza Minnelli, Nadine Dorries and Liz Truss that are so hard-hitting, some people have credited her with getting Nadine Dorries to leave Twitter and also helping to bring an end to one of the shortest prime ministerial careers in history. In other words, getting Liz Truss to leave number 10. Suze did her very first stand-up gig in 2009, and won Best Newcomer at the Musical Comedy Awards in 2010. She also graduated from the Royal Academy of Music in that year, and her wonderful singing voice is a testament to that training. In 2012, Suze won the Variety Award at the Funny Women Awards, and in 2014 she made her Edinburgh debut. She's recently completed her eighth solo Fringe Hour, PlayStation, at the 2022 Fringe, Suze co-hosts two podcasts, Mystery on the Rocks, a true crime and cocktails comedy podcast, and The Queen podcast. No, not that one. The UK's official Queen podcast featuring licensed music by the band Queen. More of that to come. Outside of comedy, Suze performs in musical theatre. Well, it would be a waste not to with a voice like that. And is a regular collaborator with Richard Thomas, who wrote Jerry Springer the opera, with the comedian Stuart Lee. Anyway, I asked her to tell me the five things from her life she'd like to have in a time capsule. And these are the things that the delightful Suze Kempner chose. I hope you like them. Since every time I do these things, I never know where it's going to go. I never know what's going to happen. And well, you know, you do podcasting. It's great, isn't it?
2: Oh, yeah. Like, And because I do podcasting, I can very much relate to guests not having tech i mean. <laughs> i'm always baffled by getting to like this point in the pan well we asked in the pandemic yeah. but this point this far after covid started and people go i don't have a microphone like come on
0: <laughs> really yeah. you're a professional actor
2: come on <laughs> you must have a microphone <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know
0: i'm ashamed of it. i haven't got a green screen
2: <laughs> well i only need it while we've still got a conservative government, so.
0: let's hope <laughs> you can come back on and just sing lovely songs and put flowers and beautiful scenery. That'd be
2: nice, you. yeah, yeah, fairy lights and stuff, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and you do have the most fantastic voice. Suze.
2: Oh, thank you. And I Thanks. love a good Very voice, kind.
0: I always do. Right. I mean, I've got a reasonably good voice. I, that's right, I, I
2: was going to say, have you worked in musicals?
0: It's always been an area that I've sort of I've toyed with, you know. Mm-hmm. The one time I really did get a great role in a musical in the West End. It was an absolute disaster. Oh, what was the show? It was called The Fields of Ambrosia.
2: That rings a bell. Mm. wasn't recent, was it? No,
0: no, about this is... mm, 10, 15 years ago, The Fields of Ambrosia, where everyone knows you. Right. It was the rhyme, terrible. Right. It was about a travelling executioner going around the southern states of America from town to town, executing the people in an electric chair in the back of his lorry.
2: Wow, okay. It's a tough sell.
0: Comedy. There you go. <laughs> 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 I mean, you must approach musicals that way you know you sort of go so I'm going to write a musical about the witches from the Wizard of Oz but oh, really mm. that's never going to work I, I know right. I've got another idea you know they just did that musical about Jesus where they all dressed up in in jumpsuits and all it's all very jolly I'm going to do one of it's really serious and we're going to have him singing on the cross yeah and you go you're mad yeah and all those you know yes. a musical about trains
2: yeah and it's run in Germany for, what, 25 years?
0: Well, their trains do run well.
2: Yeah, they do. <laughs> so, yeah, their trains and their musicals sure do run. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: so uh, the it's idea true. of this podcast is that you think mm. of five things from your life that you're going to put into a time capsule, four things that you would really want to keep because they're treasures as far as you're concerned, mm-hmm. and one thing that you want to put there so you can forget it.
2: Very good. Yes.
0: Good. Well, let's see what it reveals about you.
2: Yeah. I'm slightly worried about what it what these reveal, actually, <laughs> looking at them written down.
0: <laughs> okay, Suze, what's the first thing?
2: My first one, uh, it's the smell of leaded petrol. Oh. My mum had a really old mini clubman in the early 90s, which still took leaded petrol. Mm. And um, when she would stop to buy petrol when I was sort of six, seven, eight, I would inhale the smell like it was... <laughs> Like roasted suckling pig or something. I thought. I just think it's the best thing I've ever smelled is leaded petrol. (laughs) It's delicious, and yes, it's been outlawed. I found out since the year two thousand. So that was when we last. That's when you last could buy leaded petrol. Right. And um, I think that's good for the environment. But my nose misses the smell Mm. of leaded petrol. I
0: think they still make it for (gasps) antique cars.
2: Where can I go to breathe in this beautiful you can't, smell can't that's good for me? If your car can't be converted,
0: you are allowed to still buy it, especially. What
2: if I convert my modern car to. Edit <laughs> to
0: make it antique, put an old engine in. Yeah.
2: It. <laughs> it's quite an old car. I, I bet I could. It's 2009, the car, so I reckon...
0: You could get away with that.
2: Yeah, I think I'm going to get a leaded petrol <laughs> kind
0: of engine put in. But, of course, that is the very reason they banned it, is to stop young people breathing it in.
2: Yeah, but I'm not so young anymore. and <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, you know, it's like if I got to 80 and I wanted to try heroin, I think I should just be allowed. I think I'm 37 and I think I should be allowed to smell leaded petrol <laughs> whenever I like.
0: <laughs> lovely. What did your mum do?
2: She is a dressage rider and trainer. Wow! Yeah,
0: I saw somebody doing dressage just the other day, oh, yeah. and I've never seen. Oh, really? Yeah, I've never seen it in the flesh, as it were. I see. It was magnificent. Why did you happen to see it just out in the open? I, I was filming something on a right. place that it was a stud farm, and it was also a polo farm.
2: Oh, right. Yeah, and
0: they had a dressage court. Right, and. This very young girl was just slowly trotting around and controlling. Right. It's, it's amazing.
2: It's the hardest thing in the world. I was brought because so to, the background is we don't come from the sort of money where mom could ever own a horse, mm. keep a horse. Um, so it would be other people would buy a horse for her to compete, or she'd train them on their horse. And people overface themselves with horses, and, mm. and they bring in the horse whisperer, my mother. <laughs> <laughs> so she she'll ride their horses for them. Um, so uh, as a result, we just most of my childhood was spent driving around to different rich people's houses. Yeah, and I'd be left to my own devices for an hour while she trained them or their horse or both, and um <laughs> stinking of leaded petrol—the
0: most glorious smell.
2: <laughs> so she had to buy a lot of it. And so, what level did she get to? <laughs> she was um, in '92. She won Fry's National Championships, Fry's National Medium Championships on a horse that the owner had bought as a four-year-old for my mum to ride. Wow. And so they'd spent four years getting to that point. And then, then the next level up would be a very high level of competition. Mm. And he was he was a lovely horse, but six weeks after that, he was lame. And they they did everything. It was a ligament was called the annular ligament had gone uh. in one leg, tiny little thing. It wasn't particularly in pain. It was just, just a, a limp. A very, Ugh. very small limp that in dressage you just can't have. No.
0: Um, so, having put all those months, probably years, into training, years that horse. and years and years oh, of training,
2: God. yeah, and and about to go up to a top level, mm. and they, he was just never what's called sound again. And uh, he retired at eight and then lived to his 20s, just getting <laughs> real nice and fat.
0: Limping about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With everybody saying, You could have been at the Olympics, mate.
2: Exactly, yeah. the Olympics. That's yeah. my
0: pun there. Thank it's you. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs>
2: I should have thought of that. It's been nearly 30 years. I should have thought of that.
0: <laughs> Do you know what I bought the other day, Suze? I'm very excited about it. I'm going to show it to you. I'm not sure if I could use this on oh. the podcast. Give me a second. <laughs>
2: I'm excited.
0: My wife, my very lovely wife who just recovered from COVID, hurrah, yes. Yeah, how,
2: how are the family doing? All
0: right. She's, she's out. She's free. Right. Yeah. Oh, good. She thinks I'm fucking mad. <laughs> I found this in a charity shop. Look, it says Social. Oh, look at that! And it's actually got the official Olympic logo on it. And it's Team Netherland.
2: Wow! Look. I wonder if it's an official...
0: I think it is.
2: You know, an, an item owned by... You wouldn't give that away, th- would you? I uh, would you do would. that,
0: but it's, look, it's got... Oh, that's a,
2: incredible. Oh, that yeah, amazing? you have to wear that all around town. I'm
0: going to go to lots of athletics meets.
2: Yes. <laughs> i just put it on. <laughs> just wait.
0: Yeah, I've had my heyday, but I'm, you know, still pretty fit.
2: <laughs> still competing. <laughs> as long as I can still get those top ten finishes, it's still fun, it's still good, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: That's exactly it, isn't it? <laughs> oh God. A mini clubman. I'm gonna go back to that now because I Yeah, just... the
2: Mini Clubman. What
0: yeah. a great car.
2: It was a really unattractive red, I remember, like <laughs> that sort of where it's not quite red, not quite brown, not quite orange. It was that colour. And it had final seats. And I remember I hated sitting in it in the summer because you just stick to it. <laughs> and it wasn't like her treasure car. I think it was just some cheap ass car. I'm hoping that because she will listen back to this. She likes to check up on the bullshit I'm saying. <laughs> she, and she'll go, that wasn't a mini clubman that took unleaded. It will be some other car. I'm sure it was that though. It can't have been the golf.
0: The important thing is your memory of it. I think it's, it's your, <laughs> yeah. it's whatever you remember. It's the reality yeah. of it. I think. Yeah. If people relate stories of this, that other people then say to them, "That's not what happened." They go, "It is in my head." Yeah,
2: yeah. Paint a picture with words and smells. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we all create our own history, so I think that's a, <laughs> yeah. it's a lovely thing, the idea. Although, you know, people would claim, obviously, it's the lead that's made you misremember.
2: Well, yeah, absolutely. And there's that children who are exposed to lead, it affects your brain forever. Yeah. And uh, you get loads of serial killers. <laughs> lead and petrol, that's lead theory. So maybe my time to be a serial killer is still to come.
0: <laughs> well, I think maybe you're doing it, but in a very subtle way. You're just killing off the cabinet. <laughs> yeah.
2: destroying careers one by one. (laughs) Well done. Imagine if I had the ego that was like, I did that. (laughs) Dean Doris left Twitter because of me. It's like, no, no, she did it to herself.
0: (laughs) Well, she did, didn't she? What an extraordinary way to behave those people have. (laughs) Oh, man,
2: yeah. We look back on this. I mean, we look at it now and go, well, it's insane the way it's all panning out. But can you imagine how we're going to feel in five years? Because the political cycle means things will just calm down. Things don't just keep exponentially getting worse forever. That's not how life works. So things will calm down and we'll complain about certain things a decent government is doing and and celebrate things they're doing well. And Mm. we'll go, oh, my God, do you remember when? (laughs) Liz Truss... Got up and said she's a fighter twice and everyone laughed in Parliament. <laughs> I'm glad I only spent 4 99 on the
0: wig. <laughs> you don't want to be splashing out too much. I bought a Penny mordant wig just in case. Well, they keep churning them out though, don't they?
2: Oh, yeah.
0: I wonder what it is about maybe politics in general, mm. but I feel that it's more politics within the Conservative Party I think that what they do is that nobody really wants to surround themselves with people who are capable. Mm -hmm. They talk about each other as if they're all brilliant, brain the size of a planet, unbelievably, incredibly intelligent.
2: A lot of them have had the red carpet rolled. uh, Bizarrely, Liz Truss not really like this, but a lot of them have had this thing rolled out for them from birth of like, and if you so choose, you won't have to do a lot and you'll be in Parliament and there's a chance of you being Prime Minister. And it's amazing watching them mess that up. Someone like Zach Goldsmith, how does he keep losing that seat? This guy, he just keeps (laughs) losing his seat. Then he'll get it back for an election. He's probably going to lose it in the next election. (laughs) like, how does that happen? Look look on paper at your credentials. That should not be happening. (laughs) It's
0: it's quite extraordinary. Clearly, the one thing, it gives you an advantage in every other area, I think, going to a public school. It gives you enormous advantage in life. The one thing it doesn't teach you is self-criticism.
2: Yeah, yeah, the opposite. Yeah. You're taught that you deserve absolutely everything you want.
0: Everything you do is good
2: mm. and worthwhile,
0: mm-hmm. which is why, you know, David Cameron, Yeah, my son went on holiday to Cornwall in the summer and David Cameron walked across the beach and the whole beach stopped and watched him <gasps> as he walked to the sea and he, he paddled a bit Yeah, and then he turned around and walked back again. And I think right. maybe they got through to him.
2: He's that meme of... Seymour Skinner from The Simpsons going, am I out of touch? No, it's the children who are wrong. That's him. <laughs> yeah. that's, all, that's all Tories. They're just going... It's a, Liz Truss has tried to get anti-growth coalition going as a catchphrase. It hasn't caught on. She's kind of stopped saying it already. Mm-hmm. But it's the anti-growth coalition included like members of our own party and King Prince Charles and <laughs> the British Pound. You know? yes, right. And there are <laughs> Every... so
0: many ways to grow an economy. Mm-hmm. The idea that the only way to do it is to reward bankers for yeah. losing money around Mm. Uh, or to make sure that everybody who's got lots of money doesn't have to give any of it away in tax because they'll be so annoyed that they won't bother making any more yes everybody knows that's rubbish you could take an enormous amount away from rich people and they would still desperately try to make more
2: oh yeah they probably they'd have more drive to do it because it wouldn't be so easy and they'd like the challenge yeah it's this idea that they've gone that thing that we've been doing for basically 40 years now that thing we've been doing for over 40 years that's not working we just need to do more of it. Yeah. Maybe things grow a little slower for everyone instead of fast for a bunch of people who have got used to this being the way it
0: is. Yeah. Or in fact, they just yeah. stay the same. You know, you sort of go, well, mm. I've got enough.
2: Imagine people feeling like they've got enough. Yeah. Imagine.
0: <laughs> I don't know. There's me rambling yes. on. It's your fault. I grew up in a generation <laughs> where all we did was breathe in leaded petrol.
2: Exactly. Exactly. It's a, It was a glorious time that we need to get back <laughs> to.
0: <laughs> You should have walked to school when I was a boy, in the smog. It's
2: just smelling it and going, oh, oh, lovely stuff.
0: <laughs> All right, I'm going to put that smell into the time capsule. That's your first thing. <laughs> Yay. Brilliant. OK, what's number two?
2: My second thing is uh, Freddie Mercury's voice. <gasps> oh. I mean, Freddie Mercury in general, but I thought his voice in a time capsule would be would be extremely valuable.
0: Oh, for mankind, surely.
2: Yes, absolutely, wow. yeah. he. I think he has... It's hard to quantify how great a voice is to say like they are. We know who the fastest runner is. It's Usain Bolt. Mm. Who is the best singer? Is it Maria Callas? Is it Pavarotti? Is it someone like Elvis? Is it someone like Joni Mitchell? But for me, I just would say Freddie. I wouldn't say the best singer of all time. I'd put Freddie Mercury as the greatest Mm -hmm. singer of all time. There's never been another voice like it. There's so few people who can even imitate the sound. And if you hear them imitating it, you go, oh, yeah, they kind of sound like Freddie Mercury. But there's no one, there are people who can do a direct copy of Elvis. Yeah. Whereas Freddie Mercury, no one's ever quite had that sound. Because I I trained as a singer, I trained at the Royal Academy of Music.
0: You're now an associate.
2: I am. Yeah, they made me an associate.
0: That's very impressive.
2: (laughs) I think they made a mistake because they were reading out A description of everyone. There were sort of a a bunch of us got our associates on the same day, 40 of us or whatever, and they'd read out a little description of what everyone had achieved. And they were like, Alison is a harpist with the Royal Philharmonic and (laughs) she's played in lists, a bunch of huge symphony halls. This guy has won the coveted opera prize a record seven times. <laughs> and then it was like, Suze Kempner uh, gone viral on Twitter with her <laughs> funny videos where she plays Liza Minnelli, Nadine Dorries and Liz Truss. And uh, everyone went, what?
0: An <laughs> associate.
2: I'm an associate of the Royal Academy of Music. I mean, they really can't stand the Tories at that place. The the speech they did at the beginning was basically like, Brexit sucks and the government sucks and anyway, Royal Academy of Music's still here. Well done, everybody. Brilliant. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I think think some politics played the part.
0: Brilliant. Well, then you have the right to judge that voice.
2: There you go, hopefully.
0: We all judge that voice. (laughs) Yeah. There's no doubt that when you first heard Freddie Mercury sing, it was unique. Oh, yeah. For a start, not many male voices are placed in that place. No. Very few that are that range, aren't there?
2: No, it's incre- he has um, what goes way beyond a tenor range. Mm. He would frequently on the albums and live belt, like, top Bs, top Cs. There aren't many singers even in musical theatre who can do that. No. And they certainly can't do it with that thickness of sound. He would put distortion on the voice and, and sing it up there. I mean, he, he definitely his voice showed wear and tear over the years, yeah. but remarkably little for what he was doing with it and the fact that he was always doing vodka shots and, <laughs> and smoking and doing cocaine. Like, um, he's definitely, when it comes to music and performing, he's my biggest inspiration ah. and I just never get tired of hearing the voice.
0: No, you never get tired of those songs, do you? And no. listen to him sing. But I think Barcelona is one of the most oh. moving songs I find oh, it incredibly moving. Do you remember yes. when they used it in the Barcelona Olympics or Are You Too yes. Young? Did you No, your- I do
2: remember that. I do remember that. Um, less than a year after he died. Yeah, they, amazing. They were, but they, they yeah. played
0: that song and they're in the middle of Barcelona they had these amazing coloured fountains mm-hmm. that reacted to music. And they ah. just showed those while they played the piece of music on it's one amazing. occasion. it was it brought me to tears. It was really beautiful, yeah, especially that great run that he does at one point
2: unbelievable oh. and and he's i mean the classical crossover is kind of a maybe unfairly maligned genre now that's you know, it's people will people will find a Maria Callas CD a bit much, but they'll buy a Catherine Jenkins CD. So there's like the classical crossover album. But that didn't really exist when Freddie Mercury made the Barcelona album with Montserrat Cabaye. And for those two to sing together on paper, you would look, particularly 35 years ago, would go, why are you doing this? What a stupid idea. It's not going to work. But they sound amazing together.
0: Yeah. And that is absolutely typical of him, isn't it? That was his driving force, really, is we are not going to do what anybody else does.
2: Yes. No, he never did what people expected of him. No. So, yeah, that's why he he insisted on Bohemian Rhapsody being released as a single. The record company pushed back... For obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it went down quite how it did in the film. I don't think there was a, a Northern man going, no one will ever enjoy this song banging their heads in a car. <laughs> and you're like, all right, movie, yeah, we yeah. get it. But I, you could see why Record Company would push back on a six-minute multi-operatic pop concept.
0: Radio One weren't going to play that. They weren't going to play that right the way through.
2: Oh, I think they
0: did. Did they?
2: Because, well, Freddie Mercury's way of getting around it was he gave his great mate Kenny Everett the recording and said, can you play that? Can you play it? So he played it. And then all the way through the show, people were ringing in going, oh, can you play that song again? It's amazing. <laughs> so people were blown away by Bohemian Rhapsody. And then I think record companies went, and then I think the record company were like, all right, we'll release it. They
0: realised, yeah.
2: It's the only song that I think... There's something like it's been number one in three different decades or something like that. I can't remember exactly. It's, yeah, wow. they really, they've really they re-released it and it's been number one again. Fantastic! Yeah.
0: I've met everybody in Queen. I never met Freddie Mercury. Oh, I think I would have been too intimidated. I think I would have been terrified. God, by him.
2: I never would have had the chance. He died. He died when I was I was six. But the idea, I've, I, he's one of the only celebrities that I get sad that I never get to meet. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, they're gone. I'll never get to meet them. I love Stephen Sondheim, but I never thought, I must meet Stephen Sondheim because I don't think he'd get any joy from me.
0: (laughs) Bowie, I think, maybe.
2: That would be nice, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Now, on this Mm -hmm. podcast, Suze, now you Mm -hmm. you probably don't know this because I've done too many for anyone who's (laughs) listened to all of them, but um, (laughs) one of the most unknown people that I've interviewed is a man called Adam Wide, who Right. right at the end of the podcast, I said, you have to tell me the story about you and Freddie Mercury. And he slept with Freddie Mercury.
2: Really? Right.
0: He was picked up in a bar. uh, And he didn't know who he was. Oh, right. Which Freddie
2: Mercury probably quite liked. Yeah, I think so.
0: (laughs) It's a really lovely story. And he said he was just absolutely charming. They spent hours looking at his Clinique collection and uh, (laughs) said he was just a gorgeous man. And in fact, the very next day after that, he said, come Mm. with me. Come, we're going to a studio. And they were going to record the video for Radio Gaga. And he said, come and be in it. No
2: way. Right. Oh, wow. Did he?
0: He said, no, 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 so I've got to go to work. No, no.
2: Adam! Oh, wow. <laughs> Adam!
0: I know. <laughs> uh, Could have
2: been the great inspiration for the Kind of Magic album or something. <laughs> yeah,
0: you never know, do you? Years ago, I was in a parody pop group. Mm-hmm. And we did parodies of all sorts of things, and the one that we absolutely found the hardest was Queen. Right. Our parody was really of, well, mostly The Flash song
2: right yeah
0: in a way that's sort of easier isn't it because that's lots of choral work and lots of mass harmonies and things yes it doesn't feature him a great deal
2: no and it was very campy as well so it's yeah fun to parody I bet
0: yeah it was (laughs) yeah but I do remember just hours and hours of getting the feeling that that sort of thing that they must have got themselves which is we do those harmonies four of us standing here singing into a microphone Mm -hmm. and then we'll do them again and then we'll do it again on another track yes
2: Layer, layer, layer.
0: Till you've got sort of, you know, 160 voices mm-hmm. all singing this thing. It was fantastic.
2: Yes. A qu- Queen are one of the few bands that have this multi-layer harmony, which is such a distinctive sound. Mm. But I think that one of the reasons it's so distinctive is it was always just them. They'd never hire session singers. So like a, uh, a band like Pink Floyd might they go, OK, we need, like, a choir sound, mm. a, a big choral sound. So higher session singers sound fantastic. Whereas Queen just would go, no, we'll do all of it. It's
0: <laughs> <laughs> funny you should mention Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. A long time ago, did session singing with somebody and she had a fantastic voice. Right. And somebody said, you know who she is, don't you? And I said, no. And they said, she sang. Oh, great gig in the sky. Yeah.
2: Yes. And wasn't there some big thing where she only earned a session That's fee exactly for That's
0: exactly it, yeah. Oh. She got a session fee. Jeez. <laughs>
2: That's how I feel. I only get a session fee for uh, playing the three times table on number blocks enjoyed uh, by millions of children. Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much like the uh, soloist from Great you in the Sky. I can't remember her name, but she, no, neither she can should I, have sadly. got a huge yeah. amount of credit because she was improving, and, yeah. you know, this wasn't... And it was just two takes. Reading.
0: She Amazing. did one take they said, "Do you have another one and they mm. they used the second one, but it was they said that's basically it. so just improv that whole thing that whole oh, wailing God. thing It's
2: so extraordinary isn't it? it's one of my favorite songs in it. yeah, it doesn't really have any lyrics other than I think it's like a security guard from the studio because you hear him there's like a couple of lines of dialogue with some guy going, "I am not frightened of dying Any time will do i'm I don't mind and <laughs> I, I I think it's a security guard who worked there. is it? Yeah, it's really bizarre.
0: How brilliant. Well, thank you. We will put Yo. Freddie Mercury and his fantastic voice into the time capsule. Yes. I'm delighted.
2: Oh, good, good. <laughs> now he will be remembered for eternity. I think we're safe. I think you will anyway.
0: Yeah, I think we're OK. We'll, we'll yeah. do our best to help. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't You're need welcome, it. You're welcome,
2: Freddie. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs>
0: brilliant. OK, so we move on to number three. Right, time for some ads. But don't panic. Unlike Liz Truss, we'll be back in a moment.
2: And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you
0: welcome back to my time capsule let's find out what else Suze Kempeter would like to put in her time capsule
2: yeah well from the sublime to the ridiculous uh, i'm going to put twitter in the time capsule
0: <laughs> okay and
2: not as the thing i hate even though i frequently am um, heard to yell in my house i hate this website <laughs> um i unfortunately i have a very high tolerance for People giving me hate online. I can. I'm kind of. It, it, much of it bounces off like tennis balls, mm. and I get a lot of it. Really? Mm. Oh yeah.
0: But well, I suppose I if s- you take one side, then yeah. the other side is always going to attack you. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And I'm pretty vocal, so I'm used to that. And I the, the and when it gets too much, I go. I, I can always close my laptop mm-hmm. for a few hours and not go on Twitter. I know that Twitter isn't quite real life, so that's all right. But I owe Twitter so much for my career. Um, It has given me, it's given me personally a a platform where I can post my crazy videos and (laughs) my hot takes. And off that, I've, well, I'm sure I wouldn't be on your podcast if I didn't post my crazy crap online.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe not now, but eventually, that's what I'm going to say.
2: eventually eventually yeah the uh, the other thing that makes me go twitter must be protected at all costs is when there's a big event Mm. be it something crazy happens on a tv show something mad the government does a big world event it can bring out the worst in people but can also bring out the best in people and it really brings everyone together and so watching something like the england national women's team win the euros Mm. earlier this year oh If I hadn't been on Twitter, it would only have been half a suite, but I got to enjoy it with millions of people rather than just in my living room, me and my mum going, hey. And it's stuff like that. I love to open up Twitter when Eurovision's on and live tweet the whole thing (laughs) and read all the crazy stuff people are saying. It's like watching it with with thousands of people
0: (laughs) Um, in a really good crowd.
2: Yeah, that's it. A great crowd. And yeah, there's always, you know, as with the very best pubs, there's always some arsehole. Who won't shut up? But hey, <laughs> yeah.
0: you got the good people over here. Stick with them. You do have that choice as well, don't you? That's the good thing yeah. about Twitter, I think. Is if you go, I don't, don't like the way you talk.
2: That's it. We get I get accused of, uh, be, you know, living in a bubble. Oh, you want to live in a bubble? You're going to just mute out any dissenting voices. Like, well, I'll be honest with you. When I'm in a pub. I don't go, right, I must meet up with someone extremely right-wing, someone extremely left-wing, someone in the middle <laughs> and uh, and then a flat-out Nazi. Uh, otherwise, I'm just living in a bubble. Like, you meet up with people you like. Yeah. And I do that with Twitter. It doesn't stop me having, I guess we'll call them debates. They're not. It's just me being sarcastic to to a stranger on the internet but people people argue yeah
0: and the twitter's not there for an education it's not there to teach you things it's just people saying stuff
2: it's social media Mm -hmm. we're meant to be uh, hanging out so as toxic as social media and and as toxic as twitter can be i think the good should be celebrated yeah
0: and do you know i think that if you approach it with that attitude Mm. it becomes that it becomes yes. what you want it to be. I think Twitter. You know, that's some it. people say it's absolutely. I'd never go on there without mm. people just saying the most vile things, and I go, "Well, then, yeah. just push them away a bit."
2: Yeah, have a look at the people saying the opposite. Yeah, and then that's they're it. not
0: saying it to you. And the more no. people who do that to those people, the fewer people they're saying it to. And in the end, they're just saying it to themselves.
2: That's it. They took Donald Trump off Twitter and he, he immediately like shrunk eight sizes and he lost his platform.
0: He's got the two million people who will always believe everything he that's says. It. And that's it. That's
2: it. They say, don't they, it's not about making 300 million people like you. It's about if you can make sort of five million people really angry, you can have power. Mm. Well, that's what he got via Twitter. Having that taken from him, it made things feel slightly safer. There's, there'll always be another Trump. But we know that they now can be dealt with.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's very good. I
2: crossed my fingers and said it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps I don't understand Twitter enough. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, but I I really like the fact that somebody – I miss a lot of things, of course, because you can't possibly follow everything. You can't spend all your life looking at it either. That's it. So you are selective. Mm -hmm. At the same time, every now and again, somebody, usually my son, who has a greater handle on these things, uh, he will say, have you seen this? And Mm -hmm. just today, in fact, he sent me somebody doing a really funny tweet. A Canadian girl working as an American actress mm-hmm. and she did a really brilliant thing where she talked as if she were a social influencer.
2: I saw this, yeah.
0: It's just gorgeous. <laughs>
2: oh, wow, yeah. I won't
0: spoil it for people, but if you, you're bound to come across it and it's really worth watching. I
2: think it's Lisa Gilroy.
0: That's it. Yeah. Lisa Gilroy. She's Check. really worth watching. It's yeah. Really, I just thought it was so beautifully done.
2: She was brilliant. And also, what, a, what an acting showpiece. Mm-hmm. She'll be called in for meetings off the back of a tweet going viral. So.
0: Absolutely. It's a lesson to all actors, yeah. I think. I, think so. I mean, it's becoming a more and more competitive field that That's thing. it. The thing yes. that you've succeeded at.
2: <laughs> well, succeeded, succeeded. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> you know, I mean,
0: nobody doubts your comic ability. At oh, all. thank you. Well, they you. don't because well, it's beautifully timed.
2: Just got to make it into something people hire me to do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: If I were in a position of power, which I've never been, that's the sort of thing I'd be looking for. I'd say, well, look at that. That's really innovative. It's really brave. And it's really well done. It's really funny. Surely that's a good enough audition, isn't it?
2: Oh, well, it's all about getting that. uh, I don't believe in the big break, obviously, but it's all about (laughs) getting that uh, sort of entry job, isn't it? And then the rest of the jobs it's easier to get them.
0: They are, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> well, all right. So, yeah, no, Twitter, fantastic. It goes in as a very positive thing.
2: That's it, yes. Uh, the, the good bits of Twitter are going in. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you can't have the good without the bad because otherwise everything would just be like one level, wouldn't it? So Well, the good
0: thing is we'll put it in there and Elon Musk can't touch it then.
2: That's it. Oh, this is great. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, we've got two more to go. We've got yes! A good thing and a bad thing. You could do them in any order you like.
2: Well, I'll put in the good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm putting in the Olympics.
0: Ah, fantastic.
2: All of the Olympics. They're going in. The Olympics as a thing. I tend towards the Summer Olympics um, because that's the one with all the equestrian stuff Mm -hmm. and the athletics and the gymnastics. So that's my favourite. But Winter Olympics, honorary place in there too. It's my favourite thing. And I had to wait five years for the last Olympics because it was delayed a year by COVID, Mm. which made the Tokyo Olympics even sweeter. Mm. Um, Some of like my most inspirational things that I'll look at and go – Oh, I remember when that happened. That, that It'll be like something that really inspires me. My favourite ever Olympics memory is in Edinburgh 2016. Uh, I was doing two solo shows. Um, both were going badly. Hmm. I was having an awful time. Uh, my brain was going, you should probably quit comedy. And then I was sad because I wasn't going to. And the Olympics was on and I kind of was like, at least I have the Olympics. And there was the show jumping and there's a guy that I followed... My whole life, since I was a little kid, I've seen Nick Skelton ride at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And he was at the Olympics, he was nearly 60. It was definitely his last Olympics. He'd won team gold in the London Olympics. And so he's back four years later with this amazing horse, Big Star, who had been injured and people went, well, he'll never get that horse back to health. And he was like, I'm taking this horse to the Olympics, so we're going to win gold. <laughs> and then I remember they announced the team and I went, oh, Nick Skelton's there on Big Star. I'm really surprised. Nick Skelton as well had had like... He'd been told he'd never ride again through various injuries, mm-hmm. broken neck, etc. cetera. It was his last Olympics with this horse that was definitely that horse's last Olympics. And I was at Edinburgh and someone went, oh, you're on stage of 10 minutes. It was for a, a compilation show. And okay, so just on my phone. I went, oh, Nick Skelton's through to the jump off. So he's <laughs> through to the final six. And so I was just there on my phone watching going, yeah, 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 to the, people were like you're gonna be on stage in five minutes yeah yeah and then and and they and it just came up on my phone he's got gold i couldn't believe it i just started crying and that was the best bit of that edinburgh and i (laughs) i firmly say that that moment got me through that edinburgh
0: (laughs) Because
2: i was like if nick skelton could win a gold medal with his broken neck with his broken horse at nearly 60 Mm. when everyone was going it's not gonna happen mate then um (laughs) I can get through this Edinburgh and carry on doing comedy. So it's a weird thing.
0: I love the Olympics, absolutely. (laughs) I think it's fantastic. Most of the people competing there will never earn any money out of what they're doing.
2: Not meaningful money, yeah. They've
0: spent their entire lives dedicated to it. They work incredibly hard. Mm -hmm. In fact, it will make them poor. But they do it because they love it. Yeah. And they achieve those astonishing heights.
2: Oh, just to get there. I can't... Like, I, I... In another life, there's actually no way it could ever happen because I'm not talented enough as an athlete. But there's like, if I could have anything in the world, it would be to be an Olympian. I just Ah. think that would be amazing. (laughs) Even though, as you say, like, there's no money. (laughs) That's
0: why I bought the jacket.
2: There you go. Exactly. Now you own a bit of being an Olympian.
0: Team Netherlands, I'm there. (laughs) I'm going to have to start talking with a slight lisp.
2: Yeah, um, do Tom Hanks' accent from the Elvis movie. Or <laughs> you, don't. Or don't,
0: no. <laughs> yeah. I've had limpid Christie as a guest on this.
2: Oh, brilliant, spoke to right. him amazingly.
0: He didn't choose winning the Olympic gold at Barcelona. Oh,
2: he didn't c- count that as a... No, it
0: was the World Championships where he thought he was going to lose.
2: Oh. He was convinced
0: up until just before he got on the track that he was going to lose.
2: That's but- really amazing because... So much of what you're told, the psychology is go in believing you mm. can do it. And it's in how great of him to admit, I went in believing I couldn't do it.
0: Yeah. It was only when he came out on the track and he looked across at this person and thought, mm-hmm. You're nervous. Right. And then he thought, I'm going to win it.
2: Oh, who was it?
0: Andre Cousins, I think his name was Right.
2: Yeah. And he was like the big, the big, the big fast American runner at runner time the time.
0: Was, everybody was thinking he was going to win it. And gotcha. got him.
2: Oh, how amazing. Mm. I, I remember the Barcelona Olympics. I was seven. My, mm. I, get, I get my love of the Olympics from my mum. She's similarly obsessed. I bet. And I thought she'd lost her mind. When, when it was the Olympic final, she was screaming. I remember. just remember her screaming, come on, Christy! This <laughs> was 30 years ago. And I just thought, wow, this must be pretty important. Yeah. But my first memory of the Olympics is I was three years old watching the diving. And I can remember... Greg Luganis hitting his head. And I apparently was going on about it for days afterwards to people. My mum would, you know, take me around to people with horses and I, I'd be going, so in broken three-year-old English, Greg Luganis. <laughs> <laughs> and I was really, I, but I do, I do remember that. I remember like, it feeling like a massive deal that he, he'd hit his head and then mm. he was still going to compete. Um, obviously, I had no understanding of it.
0: Did you get to go to London
2: 2012? I didn't. I didn't. This is the saddest thing that's ever happened, but the 2012 show jumping was in Greenwich and I was rehearsing a show in Greenwich and so I got there an hour later and just sat outside the stadium watching it. They had a screen.
0: Listening to the sound.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I could hear it like a second before because they had a feed of the screen. So I was watching the show jumping on on a big screen, but hearing... Whether a fence had fallen or not, oh. just before, but <laughs> that, that was pretty cool. But I didn't get to see anything live. Um. My mum saw so much. Various dressage friends went. We've got a ticket, Anna. It's like take me, take me. She got to see Usain Bolt run in the athletics. And wow! She obviously saw all the dressage where we got double gold. <laughs> I've seen
0: Usain Bolt run in that stadium, but um, oh wow! Yeah.
2: The anniversary games. It
0: was the anniversary games. yes. Yeah. and he he ran round, and we were. I was right at the front. Just past the line. Oh. Which is the point where, having won something, they come to the crowd. Yes. And I was right at the front. Amazing. And I was going berserk because he'd run, (gasps) you know, uh, he's such a god. Yes, incredible. And he looked me straight in the Uh. eyes. I swear he oh, looked me straight in the eyes and I, I went, well done, you say.
2: <laughs> yeah, and he and, went, you're my favourite actor.
0: He said, he <laughs> said well, you once in Only Fools and Horses. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife and my son and my daughter and my son-in-law were at the World Championships in Berlin and they saw him break the world <gasps> record in three events. Wow. The 100 metres 200 and 100 metres 4x4.
2: Unbelievable. Would that be sort of 2009?
0: Something like that. Yeah, you know, I was doing a musical.
2: Oh, right. Mm,
0: there we are, full circle. Oh. This was a beautiful musical written oh. by um, Steve Brown.
2: Oh, it's a Steve Brown pick, yes. It was
0: of It's a Wonderful Life.
2: Oh, lovely. It sounds like a surefire winner. They should bring it back. I think we need it now more than we probably needed it in uh, 2009.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. All right. Okay, so we're yes. going to put the Olympics in. That's the final yeah, good the thing. Olympics. And well done. Oh, I'm very <laughs> excited by your time capsule.
2: Oh, good, yeah. good. I hope uh, people will enjoy it in a thousand years.
0: This is good. <laughs> 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 but, well, it depends what you put in there you want to get rid of.
2: Okay, so I want this. This is my Buried Forever item. It's a memory. Mm-hmm. Um, 2018, I had a part. In a show by Richard Thomas, who wrote Jerry Springer, the opera. Mm. And I was playing all the world leaders in a show called the All-Star Brexit Cabaret. Johnny Wu's All-Star Brexit Cabaret. So Johnny Wu, a legend of the drag and queer cabaret scene, had written this show with Richard. And it did one night only at the London Coliseum, home of the ENO, the English National Mm. Opera. And I was playing, I was essentially female lead. So I came on and would play David Cameron, and then I played Angela Merkel and Theresa May. And I had a dress that because all the cast wore blue. So the Johnny Wood bought me a Ralph Lauren blue dress. I'd never worn anything like it. And I went on stage, like, you know, two and a half thousand seats. Mm. And I got to do this show. It was one of those things you get to, oh, I'm actually living a dream. And while it was happening, <laughs> I got to enjoy it. I still got to enjoy it. It wasn't so I wasn't terrified or anything. It was just so amazing. And we'd been told before the show. Right at the end, take your final bow and the curtain will come down. So make sure you step back. And I remember really well, I took that bow and then I went, and I've got to step back. And I was re- I congratulated myself on remembering to step back. And I stepped back and I just fell over backwards my a wedge, like a monitor, it was behind me oh, no. and i just stepped back and i fell in slow motion and it was just two and a half thousand people <laughs> were laughing and then the curtain did not come down no <laughs> And I couldn't get up. I was in like a... I'd fallen over in like a V shape. I would i was the perfect shape of the wedge. And I was sort of sliding about and gradually cast members were turning around and looking at me. And there's just a picture of me unable to get up from it. Really pathetic. And I didn't want my London West End debut uh, to end this way. So no. I'd like it in the time capsule, please, because then it never happened. No, no. Just the fall, though. I'd like the rest of it.
0: Then you took that bow. But in fact, what happens next is they point at you and you step forward and take... A solo vowel.
2: Yeah, they were like, "We need one more bow. One more. We really don't need step this." Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then you you hold your hands up for peace, and you say, "I was thinking of falling backwards over a speaker, but yes. only as an allegory." <laughs>
2: I'm the Conservative government enjoying
0: my 80-seat
2: majority and thinking I can do what I like, nothing will ever go wrong. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa. <laughs> oh, if only, yes. and soon, I think.
2: Yes, I think it's uh, happening. I, I realised that I, I looked at a chart of the polls you know, uh, they have that line, sort of the polls across the last four years, and you see the bit where Labour overtakes Tories. I went, right, what was happening in the 10 days leading up to that? And it was 10 days after Allegra Stratton resigned. Really? Yeah, and she resigned the day after that tape yeah, was leaked that's her. When
0: people started to just see through the cracks and go, hang that's it. on a second.
2: It took a, it took a week and a half from that for Labour to overtake the Tories. Mm-hmm. And then it's just been ten and a half months. It's been of a decline.
0: They have only themselves to blame.
2: Yeah, they did it all by themselves. Mm-hmm. The other parties can essentially get the margarita machine out, just have fun and wait to take power, I guess. Like
0: People have been saying about Kier Starmer, where is he? What's he doing? Come on.
2: He didn't have to because it turns out they're perfectly capable of smearing themselves in their own faeces and going, look what we did. <laughs> look, look at us, we're covered in our own crap. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think it's like, phew, turns out other parties didn't have to do anything. Right? No, <laughs> no. Every 40 years, there's a big seismic shift in politics. Mm-hmm. In the late 70s, you get Reagan and Thatcher who paved the way for the next four decades, more than now, 40 years before that, there was something going on in the 40s. I can't remember (laughs) what that could have been. But but it's these, these seismic shifts in politics and we're due one. And I think we get so used to like, okay, things can change a little bit for the better and they can get worse But ultimately they stay in this sort of field and that's just how things are. And it's not true if you look at all of history. I just hope that this next seismic shift should be about saving the environment.
0: (laughs) Peace, man. (laughs) Absolutely. That has got to be the shift, isn't it, where we finally Mm. accept that we have no choice, but all of our efforts and all of our resources need to be put into that.
2: Yeah. What good is money and being rich if, like, the sea's boiling? Yeah. You know, I know it's kind of a utopian outlook but I do think there is a better world ahead Mm. I hope we live to see it that would be nice because then I get to go ha ha good and the gloat (laughs) <laughs> when gloating is my favourite thing. I gloated so much after Trump lost the election in 2020 that I gave myself a migraine. <laughs> I, <was> like, oh. <laughs> I have no one to blame but myself for staying up for three days and going, ha, ha, ha.
0: <laughs> um, I'm glad that I haven't absolutely laid my cards out on the table and that the five Tory voters who do listen to this podcast <laughs> are still with us.
2: all five of you my time capsule is a broad church
0: it is it is i'm perfectly happy to have someone come on and propound a different theory and Mm -hmm. i will then tell them to fuck off (laughs) (laughs) so how lovely to talk to you thank you very much for giving me your time thank
2: you and you thanks for having me you're welcome cheers
0: (laughs) you have been listening to my time capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my guest, Suze Kempner. I hope you've had fun and would like to subscribe to this podcast... If you haven't done already, it's really easy and you will be informed whenever a new episode becomes available. We'll send a bloke round. We'd also really appreciate it if you'd rate and maybe even review the show. And if you have any questions or suggestions, then why not follow either me or my time capsule, or in fact, both of us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook, where, as Suze said, we are a broad church with a slightly leaky roof where someone's nicked some of the lead. The theme music by Past the Peas Music is available for your enjoyment without me rabbiting on all over the top of it, and you can find it by searching my time capsule, The Theme Tune, on Spotify. Yeah, I think that will be the only result for that search. This was a cast-off production for the podcast company Acast. Thanks to them for giving us the chance in the first place. Our producer was John Fenton Stevens. Right, let's get on with it. Uh, Sorry if I sound a bit bossy, but uh, I've got new guests to chat with, so I can't spend all my time writing jokes. So, let's go for a classic style. Knock, knock. Knock, knock. That's where you say, who's there? Okay. let's try again. Knock, knock. That's better. Control freak. No, you have to say control freak who in rhythm, or it doesn't work. Oh, for goodness sake... It's a sort of tune to it, isn't it? Da-da, da-da, da da da, da da da. And then I do the punchline. Right, last chance. Knock knock. And the control freak. Oh, for bloody hell. I'm not gonna do it if you're gonna mess around. Forget it. Bye.
1: Here's a cool fact.